Welcome to the Time for Teaching podcast. This podcast explores the joys and challenges of teaching in higher education. I'm Kelly Fox. And I'm Kim Reed. And today we have an incredibly kind, personable, professional, helpful, talented, and amazing friend with us, Miss Tony Cano, in the virtual recording space. And I'm pleased to share a little bit about Tony before we get started. As a child, Tony has many fond memories of eating directly out of her dad's vegetable garden. There's nothing quite like the crisp crunch of a snap pea or carrot that is fresh from the yard. In school, Tony loves science, specifically biology, so it's no surprise that she entered the field she now works and teaches in with all that passion and knowledge for biology. Tony says the most interesting place she's traveled to is the Cabot Trail in Cape Breton, which is beyond spectacular. The last book she read was The Firekeeper's Daughter, which is a wonderful and important read infused with lots of teachings about Indigenous culture and was, was authored by a former Sault Ste. Marie resident, just like Tony herself. Running, biking, working out, yoga, hikes, pickleball, and anything that keeps her moving is what fills her cup. And her husband says she's great at cleaning, planning vacations, and always being there for family when they need her. Tony loves Parks and Rec's Leslie Nope because she appreciates her character's intelligence, work ethic, level of energy, and infectious positivity. She also surrounds herself with people she loves and who love her back and continuously acknowledges their support in everything she does. Tony says she wants to be a Leslie. And Tony, I'll tell you what, you already are. We adore you and feel very lucky to get the chance to work alongside you every now and then. We know you're an incredible faculty member, a friendly and helpful community member, and an all-around fantastic gal, and we're thrilled to be sharing virtual space with you today. Welcome, Tony. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> wow. Well, you two, uh, you know, easy to talk to people and lovely and friendly and all of those nice, fuzzy, warm things, so I'm happy to be here spending the next few minutes with you. Well, thanks so much, Tony. And um, when I was so super excited when we were, uh, when you accepted our invitation to be on the podcast, but I was thinking about how long we have actually known each other. So I think we started working together. Gosh, was it 2011? Is that when yeah. you started? Yeah, that would have been um, when the Sadlin Center opened and the wow. pharmacy technician program started. Yeah, it would have been 2011. Wow. Yeah, so. Well, we would love it if you would start things off with with telling us a little bit about your background and then sort of what led you to the field of pharmacy and then ultimately to the Sadlin Center uh, at Georgian. So as many of you probably already know, you two know I'm a community pharmacist and I've worked in community setting for 27 years now. Hard to believe. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I managed a pharmacy in town here for a community pharmacy for about 17 years. And during my time there, I remember seeing a fax come across my fax machine that uh, stated that Georgian College was looking for a committee or a group, advisory group, to look at potentially bringing the pharmacy technician program to Georgian College. And as a manager of a pharmacy, I knew. I would be recruiting at the time pharmacy assistants and pharmacy technicians who weren't regulated at that time from other public colleges, other private colleges, because we didn't have the program here. So I was more than happy to sit on this advisory committee to look at curriculum development, well, more so program development at the time. It was more uh, broader strokes. And um, 
when we were done that process, which I think took about, probably took a couple of years, if I remember correctly, um, I thought to myself, you know what, it'd be kind of neat to teach one of these courses that we've been talking about for two years. So I guess one thing led to another, and then all of a sudden my career path changed, and I was full-time faculty with Georgian College, and uh, it was a really exciting time, scary, but exciting. I've always been a preceptor in a clinical setting. So I've always precepted University of Toronto students in the pharmacy program. Um, so that wasn't new to me, but certainly teaching in the classroom was. So that and, and having students in larger numbers, not one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> and having to deal with technology and all that fun stuff was very, very new. But uh, you know what? I've been blessed with two amazing career paths in my life. And I tell people that all the time. I also tell people it goes to show you how volunteerism can lead to something else. So I say that to my students quite often, especially when there's opportunities to do, you know, any type of health promotion events or any type of volunteering opportunity within health, or it doesn't even have to be within health, really, anywhere. Um, you never know who you're going to meet, who you're going to network with, and where that takes you. And I'm a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's a really important lesson. And that's a great gift to share with your students as well, that it, there is so much joy to be found in volunteerism, but that it also can open many doors and help with networking. So that's wonderful. And I'm not surprised that you were able to kind of transition that uh, committee position into a full-time position here at Georgian. You've got such a sparkling personality and, and we're very lucky to have you here. Thank you. Kim. Yes, I would say that was probably one of our best hires. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Kelly. I remember that. Okay, Tony. So we know that in your program area, students work through a variety of content and learning environments, including labs and clinics to prepare them for two four-week placements, one in retail pharmacy and one in a hospital setting. Students are given a chance to do a good portion of their learning in a hands-on experiential environment, and that requires authentic learning experiences to replicate the workplace. If anyone's interested in adding authentic learning and assessment into their course, could you speak to some of the challenges and benefits of this? What do you see as the value in authentic learning in your program area? Yeah, certainly it's so important. I think coming to community college, that's, that's part of the experience, right? The hands-on, the experiential learning, um, the workplace experience, and certainly within our labs, and we offer at least two labs every semester in our program, we mimic a real work environment. It's really important that we instill that in our students really early in the program, um, not just learning the, the knowledge, the skills and abilities, but learning how to be a professional and that whole idea of professionalism and what it means. So, uh, you know, in doing that, we certainly try and keep up with a lot of the technology, although, you know, that's when you talk about challenges, that's certainly a challenge because technology is always, always changing. So uh, in, in order to keep up to date with that in labs, it can be quite costly, but we've been doing a pretty good job uh, being creative and using different formats to be able to mimic different technologies. And we've actually gotten a lot of new technologies. In fact, most recently we have had a huge renovation in the hospital lab that took place over the whole pandemic. So we were fortunate enough that that could actually continue. And now we have uh, a brand new clean room and an ante room for our hosp um, hospital lab that our students can take full advantage of. And the uh, laminar air flow hoods are 
too standard like a hospital would have. So it's it's great to be able to do that, but that comes with a lot of, you know, it's it's expensive, but uh, certainly worthwhile and a great experience for the students. I would say another challenge is that patient interaction that we don't typically get in a lab experience, and that's why the work experience couples itself quite well. But we do try and do a lot of role playing. Um, we've used, I guess, you know, the flip grids and things like that to be able to get students to showcase their skills when it comes to communication and professionalism. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, students enjoy the lab time. That's that's the time I think you put all of those those that knowledge into your hands on skills. So um, as much as there are some challenges, I think the the pros certainly outweigh the cons. Let's just say that as far as uh, work experience is concerned. So well, we know that you go above and beyond to offer opportunities and experiences for your pharmacy tech students. And I think you just sort of explained that with your labs as well. But recently, you organized an injection training certificate program for pharmacy technicians to learn to administer the COVID-19 vaccine. This program was offered at the college through the Ontario Pharmacists Association or OPA for local pharmacy technicians and students. You also have partnered with the Barrie Police and uh, Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit to host a free medication drop-off event for the community. This is where people can drop their old medications off, no questions asked, and students have the chance to learn about medication identification, safe storage, disposal, while also practicing the communication that you were talking about, you know, interacting with people and with community members. So can you share with us what you might have planned for this year and why you think it is important to offer these outreach experiences for your students? Sure, Kelly, I can definitely tell you a little bit more. Some exciting news that just came down the pipes last week. Ontario College of Pharmacists Board of Directors approved um, a draft of regulations or a regulatory amendment, I guess you would say, that would authorize pharmacy technicians to also admit, administer the flu vaccine. So this is going to be a permanent change to their scope of practice, which is amazing. Very um, cool. I know, I know. So going back to the injection training that you started with there that we had this past May, it's going to be vital for us to offer that every year even probably more than once a year at this point. Um, it will eventually come into the curriculum, there's no doubt, but we have to do a lot of, you know, changing of competencies and things like that in order to include that. But in the meantime, yeah, our uh, healthcare system, as you know, is just overwhelmed right now and community pharmacies are no different. People are turning to pharmacies now for, I mean, in the next few weeks, we're gonna have the five to 11 year old group. We're gonna have the booster shots. Flu shots have started. Um, there are pharmacies doing rapid antigen testing. Oh yeah, by the way, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians still have, the, have their other work that they need to do in the pharmacy. So having <laughs> technicians, yeah, by the way, yes, we are here. And I mean, it's great that there's those access points for patients, um, but having the resources of pharmacy technicians to take on some of the technical aspects and you know what, giving an injection is a technical um, is it something technical that they are able to do and they've proven to do? And actually, I think, Kelly, you, I was talking to you um, that you had run into one of our former graduates, was it? Or maybe it was yep. another, yep. another, yeah, you and another friend of mine yep. from Georgian that had their 
one of their vaccines done from our graduates. So um, it's great yep. to hear that. I'm just loving it. I'm loving it. And you know what? The flu shot, I think there's going to be more distribution of the flu shot to pharmacies as well. So we really need pharmacy technicians more than ever. And once we, they do this injection training, even if they're a student and they do it, they only have to do it once. So once they're registered as pharmacy technicians, they've have the certification already and they can move on and start injecting. So we offer it to our students, our alumni, graduates, and anybody in the industry who would want to come in and do the injection training because it's the same certification for pharmacists or pharmacy technicians. So Wonderful. That's all so exciting. And I have to say too, Tony, I know you're talking about kind of the importance of um, teaching students and helping students to kind of nurture those interpersonal skills. And now that there's going to be kind of a different scope of practice for um, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, I think that it's um, even more so important too. Uh, my husband and I both received our second vaccinations at um, a pharmacy and both commented on how friendly and kind and reassuring the pharmacist was both to us and to the other people who were kind of waiting in line. Um, it ended up being kind of a cute little like uh, meet and greet with everybody who was there and we were all kind of exchanging stories and it was a very nice atmosphere. Um, and we have a local um, pharmacy here in our little town and it never ceases to amaze me the knowledge that the pharmacists have on the medications and also just the knowledge on us, like the history of our family and knowing what medications we're already taking or have taken in the past. And it's like, I, I cannot fathom the memory that would be necessary in order to provide that kind of service to such a wide range of people. It, it always really blows me away how um, how we feel very like seen and heard in our pharmacy and that the pharmacy uh, staff is always so um, friendly and accommodating and knowledgeable and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome yeah. to hear. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and no, I they know that... you. They know you best, really. They really right. do. So, yeah, um, yeah. Great. It's good to have those types of relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so switching gears a little bit on the podcast, Kelly and I have talked a lot about the COVID catalyst and the ways that living through and teaching through this pandemic have changed the way that we do things at such a rapid and, in some cases, massive way. Were there any changes made during the past year and a half that you think will continue to be in place in your students' learning and working experiences? And how have these changes impacted the Georgian student experience, either positively or negatively? Okay, so I'm in a totally Leslie Nope this, okay? <laughs> We're only going to do positive, All no, right. negative, Bring it no on. negative. Have you guys ever watched Parks and Rec? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, my god, I love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate so good. it. Oh, so, yeah. so good. So, yeah, I and with anything pandemic related, I'm always looking for silver linings, right? Because anytime we can find one, let's just capitalize on that. So, with our program, we were fortunate enough to be able to bring our students into the into Georgian College for labs. So, it started with our boot camp labs last summer and then continued like summer 2020 and then continued throughout. So we've always had our labs running, which was great. Um, and I'm going to give out a shout out to the CTEL team because, yeah, you guys are unbelievable because the support that we receive, like the tools, the support, all of those were just above and beyond. And I think there's so many things that we can take back to our face-to-face -face when we're back at in the class um, that we can use. Certainly, like, yes, we did have, like, we managed to have the labs, but then we, we did synchronous 
classes uh, pretty much every week with our students with our theory courses. So a lot of that type of work that we did and the tools that we use, like for example, any type of digital whiteboard, well, I could see using that in class very handily. Um, the idea of being able to book meetings virtually, a lot of times when you're trying to meet with a student, you're trying to kind of figure out, well, what day are you on campus and what day are you on campus and you have class here and class there. Well, being able to do, especially if it's a quick meeting about, um, you know, like changing something in my path or whatever, I can do that virtually with a student now, which is just great. Like I, I would never even think to do that before. Um, so I think there's a lot of great things that allowed us to be more flexible with our teaching, um, allowed even learners to see things in a different way. Like I, I'm all about H5P and I, I'll continue using those tools even after the fact that we're all going to be in class and back on campus because I'm Leslie Nope, remember? That's who I want to be when I grow up. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my spiel on the COVID catalyst is just bringing us to the next level of teaching and being able to accommodate students in a different way. Very cool. And Tony, I know that you were doing lots of work with um, online and trying to support students in their learning uh, before the COVID uh, hit. So I think you were definitely uh, very open and well on your way to making it a much more than just a great program, but like a fantastic program. So well done. Thank you. So we also know that, you know, we can hear it in your voice. We can hear it in your answers that you are completely committed uh, to your program and your students. And I know I have seen it firsthand. I, we know it firsthand. We know you are a friend of CTEL and you're always there to mentor or share experiences either with us or others, uh, either in your program or even outside of your program. And we do appreciate you and all that you do so much. So we would love to know, with all that you do at the college and beyond, how do you find balance? What do you do to fill your cup? So, uh, Kim, I don't know how much you know me, but I know Kelly knows me. I am... <laughs> Uh, constantly going, constantly moving, and I, I love to keep busy when it comes to, like, exercise drives me. It really does, and it's not like I need to exercise and bring my heart rate to a certain, you know, 180 for, like, 95% of the time that I'm exercising. That's not it. In fact, as, uh, if anything, during this pandemic, I've learned to like look at it in a different perspective. It's just like getting outside, getting with nature, like walking, learning something new, but just moving. Like that's a huge part. I cannot, this this sitting at in front of my computer all the time, like, and most people would agree, uh, whether you're super active or not as active or want to be more active, it's just like, this isn't helping whatsoever. So um, yeah, yoga, I've, I did a lot of yoga for the past two years. I used to do some and now I've been doing a lot more and I love it. Um, so, you know, I learned how to play pickleball. Who knew? That's a lot of fun. Another, did you, do you play Kelly? I could. I have no idea what pickleball is, but oh, I keep hearing about yeah, this. Yeah. Where do you play this? Um, the, well, we have pickleball courts not far from my house. So that's where I saw it originally. I'm like, what is that shortened tennis court? Cause I, and I want to know what that is. So I went over and uh, bought myself some pickleball rackets. It's, it's like, um, it's called like a wiffle ball. It's a combination of 
ping pong, badminton, and tennis all put together. Let's look at it that way. And it's a lot of fun. People might call it an older sport, but I don't find myself old, right, Kelly? We're not old. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you know what? My kids are doing it and they're friends and they all got into it. So it's like, yeah, it's just a lot of fun Very anyway. Cool. But that kind of thing, when I'm moving and I've, I've, you know, I've gotten that de-stressing part out of me like that's some people drink a lot of wine. <laughs> I can't, I can't drink a lot of wine. <laughs> Gives me a headache, but this, this is what fills my cup. It's not it's not the red vino as much as you might think because I'm Italian. But no. Well, that's awesome. We've talked a lot with other folks throughout our kind of interviews on the podcast about the importance of staying active and finding things to do to kind of get our bodies moving, especially after sitting all day. So it's not surprising seeing how energetic you are and how positive you are that you found lots of great ways to kind of incorporate that into your day and to make sure that you're finding time for it. So that's fantastic. So Tony, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today and for all that you do at Georgian and Beyond. Can I talk to you guys every week, like for even five minutes? <laughs> of course, of course. Absolutely. Like a Tony guest spot every week. Yeah, yeah we'd love that. <laughs> oh, you guys are kind, very kind. Yes, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today, Tony, and we hope you will come back sometime soon to chat with us more. But until then, bye for now. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye.